I'm Virginia Parkinson. And I'm Liam Davis. And you're listening to America by Year. Today we're going to be discussing the development of views over time in American culture with respect to gays, immigrants, and women. These groups are normally considered to be either marginalized or to have strong biases against them in the general culture. However, these views are changing as we move into a next generation. So we'll start off with our first song, radio-friendly pop song by Matt Fisher, 2015, Not Thinking Straight. It's a pleasure to meet you, my friend. Come take a seat at my desk. I gotta tell you, kid, the whole team is more than impressed. Your melody song and all of your choruses shine. The lyrics are sound and your voice is fundamentally fine. But face it, if you wanna make it onto radio, kid, you gotta do as I say. Change all the hymns into hers And just don't tell the world that you're Happy to help, take my card Please think about what I've said This is an industry where people make money Say your art has to sell And you should never seek to challenge an audience They buy what they're told and we never get it wrong Go write us a non-offensive, tasteful, conventional
So there's a natural transition in this song as Matt goes from discussing what he's faced trying to break into his industry and his art and then what he sees the future being for the views regarding homosexuals in the world. The first part very much focuses on discrimination that is faced by anyone trying to break into major fields where if you don't fit the image that is expected of you, a lot of people are going to turn you away because you can't sell. Well, I mean, as a theater major, this is obviously something we deal with in the entertainment industry. Uh, Personally, myself, I've had people look at me strange because I have short hair and various things that people associate with lesbian. And when they find out I'm not, they're like, oh, well, you're not right for this. So it works both ways, but definitely in a society where it's more headed of normal, especially anyone that falls outside of that range is definitely going to be kind of ostracized and pushed to the corners. There's another interesting thing about that is you have this argument that is often made on television that, oh, I'm totally okay with the gays as long as I don't see it. This sort of idea that is the kind of thing that should be held back and pressed only into a bedroom. If this is the case regarding gays, then logically it should be the same argument regarding straight people, that we cannot have this public and open relationship. Which leads us into the second part of Matt's song where he's focusing on the fact that, yeah, the kids already know. The world is aware that there are these people who are gay, who are lesbian, who are bisexual, who are whatever, in the world. And there's no point in trying to repress it. It's out there. People know it's around. Yeah, I think mainly you pointed out a very good point that people refer to them as the gays, as in they're one body. It is one person or one ethnicity or whatever, the same way we refer to, you know, the blacks, which is a whole separate thing. But essentially, it's kind of when we divide people up. To me, it doesn't really matter. Go for it. I really don't care. It's your life. Um, And I think especially the younger generation are saying that. But then there are the older generations that are like, hey, yeah, good for you. You're gay. You're out. Um, Can you do that over there? Can you do that somewhere not here? And I think there fortunately has been a progression, at least here in the United States. I don't know how it is over in Britain. Uh, but with you know gay rights kind of getting more of a foothold in the country, uh, it's kind of finally becoming where it's not so taboo to talk about it. It's interesting because, um, as you said, I'm from Britain. I'm not from the U.S., so it is a new culture for me being over here. But you do see this idea that there are pockets. In the U.S., it's red states or blue states and even blue pockets within red states. And because you have these two political groups and that determines so much of your views, you tend to swing, you're either extremely right or extremely left, and there's not a very big moderate presence, unfortunately. You don't really see very targeted things. There was a huge movement, not right, not left, just focusing on making sure everyone was treated equally with the Liberal Democrats in the 90s and the early 2000s in Britain. The party's really dying off because there's nothing more to do. Gays have equal rights, women have equal rights, and equal protections under the law. There's obviously going to be societal issues. They're mostly dying out, and that's really the case over here. We're seeing this new generation that is still open to it. But there's also Republicans in the U.S. and conservatives everywhere who are still against it just because that's how they were raised. And it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of public personas coming out and saying, this is a reality, let's just accept it, rather than wanting it to be sanctioned up and cordoned. Because if you put stuff in these camps that culture never gets to be brought into your own. It's a similar thing as when we're looking at groups of people who come into this country and you're staring them in the face and you're asking them to become American and to Americanize themselves. 
this is going to be reflected in our next song. This is Uncle Dan McCann by Mick Maloney. This was recorded in the early 70s. This is an Irish musician, and he's referring to a story of his uncle who's come over. And pay attention to how he references his uncle and what traits he brings. As the uncle spends more and more time in the U.S., he becomes less and less Irish. This is reflecting the assimilation culture that we're seeing as someone moving across the borders and coming into the United States. I've lately wandered over here to search for me Uncle Dan. He left the county Galway in the year of 51. Where he's gone to, I don't know. I've searched this country high and low. But back to Galway, I can't go without me Uncle Dan. Have you seen me Uncle Dan McCann? Typical bit of a Galway man. He came out to the USA in the year of 51. Well, if any thou neighbours living here, seen or heard of him anywhere, you'd oblige me if you'd help me find me Uncle Dan McCann. Let me tell you of me Uncle Dan. By God, he was a mighty man. He swam the river Liffey twice a day And he ran three rounds of the Phoenix Park He could dance and sing just like a lark And he wasn't afraid to go home in the dark Me Uncle Dan McCann Have you seen me Uncle Dan McCann? Typical bit of a Galway man He came out to the USA in the year of 51 Well, if any thou neighbours living here Seen or heard of him anywhere You'd oblige me if you'd help me Find me Uncle Dan McCann Yankee man He holds a seat in Congress And he's leader of his clan He's helped to write America's laws His heart and soul in Ireland's cause And God help the man who opened his jaws To me Uncle Dan McCann So here's to me Uncle Dan McCann Typical bit of a Galway man And he fought all through the Civil War Back in 61 He was supple and limber in every joint He wasn't afraid of the bayonet's point He belonged to the fight in 69 Me Uncle Dan McCann So here's to me Uncle Dan McCann Typical bit of a Galway man And he came out to the USA in the year of 51 Well if any down neighbours living here Seen or heard of him anywhere You'd oblige me if you'd help me Find me Uncle Dan McCann
Well, that definitely uh, kind of explains how America, for a very long time, we took in immigrants and kind of just sort of absorbed them into one. Um, closest, my most recent family member that immigrated, uh, immigrated uh, to the United States was on my mother's side, and it was the Bales, and they came from the Black Forest region of Germany. Um, there was three brothers, all came through Ellis Island. Uh, not a single one of them knew how to spell their name, so thus there was three different spellings of the Bale name now. And over the years, they've basically kind of essentially become an American family. Um, the Bale side of my family is as American as you can think. They're farmers. They live in a red state. They always vote for Republicans, and that's how things are. Um, I like to believe that in nowadays we are moving away from just kind of yes, you are American now because we say you are, uh, and accepting people for their identity both as an American and as an immigrant. Um, but again, I'm not really one to say. Uh, it's very interesting for Mick. This is interesting because it's the outside perspective on what's going on in the U.S. And he's searching, and he's searching for his good old Irish uncle, and he has these amazing things that he's remembered about him. And then he does turn around, and he tells to us after that first instrumental break, He's found his uncle, an amazing American individual, writing laws, fighting battles, all of the traditional American stuff. And then he turns right around. He goes back to describing the Irishman who left in the year 1951, and he's still trying to find him. It's almost as if, as Dan, Uncle Dan, has become more and more American for Mick, he's lost that sense of who he was when he came here. It's as though, yeah, you can be a great American, but you don't get to retain your original culture. And it does still go on today. There's people who will call you out on pronunciation or spelling or little things like just standard conduct things from where I'm from, just lingering over and I'm not thinking about them and I'll subconsciously do something that is obnoxiously British. It happens, I know, and I know it's obnoxious. And they're like, you're in America now. And that was a horrible attempt at the accent, and I apologize. But, um, you know, just because I'm here doesn't mean I should be forced to give up who I am. There's a huge part of me that loves this country because it's where I live, and it's definitely in my better interest that it is a safe place for me to live. But at the same time, a large part of me is going to be British and will always be British because that's who I am. And that is the culture that I grew up in. And that's left the imprint. And that's a country that I love. And that's a country that I also want to be safe. And I also want to be held in good esteem. So I cannot give that part of myself up in order to become American. It's kind of like how some Americans hold on to their state identity over Americans. Um, uh, my grandmother is from Virginia. Uh, that's my name. Uh, <laughs> and she, to her deathbed, insisted that she was a Virginian before she was an American. And, I mean, she fought in World War II, and she just, you know, was from that generation that, you know, kind of has become the quintessential American generation. And she still said, no, I'm Virginian first, and she very much held on to that. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of Americans, we'll hold on to our identities, but we expect others to get rid of them, to be part of where, uh, to be part of this nation. Yeah, there's actually a really interesting law in the books, and it's one of my favorite laws, um, the U.S. will ask any immigrant who's becoming a citizen to renounce their previous citizenship, which already it's a request that shouldn't be made from my perspective because it's asking someone to compromise their own identity. 
But if you hold a position of rank or a title from a foreign government and you're seeking to become a U.S. citizen, you have to denounce it. They will not allow you to. Uh, Sir Patrick Stewart was offered American identity, but he would have to renounce that sir. And for him, he earned that for contribution to theater. And he said in a newscast that went out a few weeks ago, there is no way I would sacrifice my contribution to theater in exchange for a nationality. And it's all of those contributions and also what you get out of it. Because what do you gain from a culture when you leave it is you gain that worldview. If you were to give that up, you have nothing to offer to your new place. You come as an immigrant and you bring a new view, you bring something fresh, you bring something exciting. At the start of this nation, you're looking at immigrants who are coming with what they've seen in the world to make this place what it is now. The musical Hamilton, which started its run on Broadway in 2014 and is currently playing in three different nations, is telling the story of the quintessential American immigrant who comes from nothing, comes to this country with nothing, builds a world around him, and builds a country at his feet. It's one of, probably one of the most powerful men in American history. And as he dies in the song The World Is Wild Enough, he is still referring to the fact that he is both an immigrant and American at the same time and being able to share that identity and share those views within himself. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are ten things you need to know. Number one. We rode across the Hudson at dawn. My friend William P. Van Ness signed on as my number, number two. two. Hamilton arrived with his crew. Nathaniel Pendleton and the doctor that he knew. Number three. I watched Hamilton examine the terrain. I wish I could tell you what was happening in his brain. This man is poisoned by political pursuits. Most disputes die and no one shoots. Number four. Hamilton drew first position, looking to the world like a man on a mission. This is a soldier with a marksman's ability. The doctor turned around so he could have deniability. Five. Now I didn't know this at the time, but we were near the same spot. My son died, is that why? Examined his gun with such rigor I watched as he methodically fiddled with the trigger Seven Confession time, here's what I got My fellow soldiers will tell you I'm a terrible shot Number eight Your last chance to negotiate Send in your second, see if they can set the record straight They won't teach you this in your classes But look it up, Hamilton was wearing his glasses Why? If not to take deadly aim it's him or me. The world will never be the same. I had only one thought before the slaughter. This man will not make an orphan of my daughter. Number nine. Look him in the eye. Aim no higher. Summon all the courage you require. Then count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Number ten. Place is fire. I imagine death so much it feels more like a memory. Is this where it gets me? On my feet? Several feet ahead of me. I see it coming. Do I run or fire my gun or let it be? There is no beat, no melody. Burr, my first friend, my enemy. Maybe the last face I ever see. If I throw away my shot, is this how you remember me? What if this bullet is my legacy? Legacy. What is a legacy? It's planting seeds in a garden you never get to see. I wrote some notes at the beginning of a song someone will sing for me. America, you great unfinished symphony, you sent for me. 
you let me make a difference. A place where even orphan immigrants can leave their fingerprints and rise up. I'm running out of time. I'm running and my time's up. Wise up. Eyes up. I catch a glimpse of the other side. Lawrence leads a soldier's chorus on the other side. My son is on the other side. He's with my mother on the other side. Washington is watching from the other side. Teach me how to say goodbye. Rise up, rise up, rise up, Eliza. My love, take your time. I'll see you on the other side. Raise a glass to freedom. And even as he's dying, and across the river on the other side of death in heaven, he sees his son, who never saw where his father was from, which is Jamaica, and then his mother, who never saw where his son is now, her son is now on currency in the United States. Two nations that have never seen each other standing side by side waiting for his death. That alone captures the image of these two cultures colliding in his life and combining into who he is. don't think I could sum that up any better. Uh, well, I guess we'll kind of move on to our next topic. There's no great segue here. Um, essentially, one of the most American forms of music, other than jazz and blues, a lot of people acknowledge it as... Um, country music, especially in a world where um, it's kind of sums up what a lot of Americans believe. Unfortunately, this has led to some slight issues, especially in the concern of where women stand in things. Um, we'll just kind of let the first song explain this. That real good, feel good stuff Up under the seat of my big black jacked up truck Rolling on 35s, pretty girl by my side You got that suntan skirt and boots Waiting on you to look my way and scoop Your little hot self over here Girl, hand me another beer, yeah All them other boys wanna line you up and take you Just up a little catfish dinner Gonna sound like a winner when I lay you down and love you right Yeah, that's my kind of night Might sit down on my diamond plate tailgate Put in my country ride, hip-hop mixtape Little Conway and little T-Pain Might just make it rain you can hang your t-shirt on a limb Hit that bank and we can ease on in Soak us up a little moonlight You know I know what you like, yeah All them other boys wanna wind you up and take you downtown But you look like the kind that likes to take it way out Out where the corn rolls grow, roll, roll my boat Floating down the flint Catch us up a little catfish dinner Gonna sound like a winner when I lay you down and love you right Yeah, that's my 
kind of night. Yeah, that's my kind of night. My kind of your kind is this kind of night. We dance in the dark and your lips land on mine. Oh, gonna get our love on. Oh, time to get our buzz on. All them other boys wanna wind you up and take you downtown. But you look like the kind that likes to take it way down. Out where the cornrows grow, roll, roll my boat. Floating down the Flint River, catch yourself a little catfish dinner. Gonna sound like a winner when I lay you down and love you right. Yeah, that's my kind of night. Yeah, that's my kind of night. That's my kind of night. Yeah, that's my kind of night. Come on. So, um, that was That's My Kind of Night by Luke Bryan. Um, this is unfortunately not the only song of his that basically objectifies women. Um, several other artists have critiqued country music, saying that women in them are essentially nothing but uh, accessories to various things. Um, in this song, we essentially see him. He's going, hey, I know you think you know what you want, but I know what you want. You essentially want me to tell you you look pretty and then have sex with you. And uh, first of all, that woman... We don't know. Maybe she likes going downtown. She may not like catfish. It's up in the air. But he, as a man, is saying, I know what you want. And uh, unfortunately, that sentiment is definitely spread throughout a large portion of this country still to this day. Uh, women may have gotten the right to vote, but in a lot of cases, we are still considered like second-class citizens. That's putting it mildly generously uh, it's not even a political split like we see liberals being more open to gays and immigrants there's nowhere across the line whether you're in Fort Lauderdale or whether you're in Houston or Illinois or St. Louis or wherever you happen to be there's always going to be these people around you men who believe they can stand up women have this traditional image they go to clubs find a dick to ride on have no personality and are nothing more than just a prize to be won I think you're taking liberties in saying they're treated as second-class citizens to be completely honest and it's a shame and there's a lot of people who don't agree with this but you stand up and you say it and then all of a sudden you're getting ostracized yourself and it takes there's a reason that this view is allowed to spread it and it's because there's no easy way of firing it down with logic because it's such an illogical position to stand with you can't counter a belief that is held for societal reasons with any logic, with any this is where you contradict, because this is the standard relationship, standard, obviously, in quotation marks. It's not necessarily what it should be, but this is the image that's out there in the world, and it's being perpetuated, and there's no easy way of shooting it down, even as people are trying and trying to critique it. And I do totally agree with you, uh I like to believe that the world's a better place than it is. Uh, that's my reason to kind of uh, downplay nice. these things. Yes, be nice. You could say I'm just trying to be nice here. 
Um, but personally, I am a very outspoken individual. Um, I have no issue telling you that I think you're stupid or that your belief is stupid. This is why I'm such a good debater and why I'm on the debate team here. But essentially, I, no matter how much I fight for it, I still have individuals who come up to me and tell me I need to be quiet or this. My own family, not my immediate family, but my extended family. I remember my grandfather looking at me and saying, I hate you. And the reason why was because I was too outspoken and I would not go and fetch him a cup of coffee when he had two functional legs and the coffee pot was across the room. Uh, and I was actually doing something else at the time. How dare you have opinions? Yes, how dare I have opinions and how dare I state them out loud. And unfortunately, that comes across as off-putting to some people. And I've had to learn not to let that really bug me. Well, it's a very interesting. His idea of a perfect night is to meet someone in a club, actually take them on a date, which is the part that I find really confusing, is actually take them on a date and then fuck them. There's the people who go to clubs, meet them, have sex with them, never see them again. I'm kind of okay with that because you kind of go in and it's you make sure it's clear to someone else that's what you plan on doing. But he's trying to trap this poor woman with this illusion of affection, this illusion of love. That's really not there, because ultimately he's doing it just to get laid. Almost like going on dates that she might not even enjoy, as you rightfully pointed out, is just this free pass to getting your kit off and having fun. If that's what you want, why would you take someone on a date? It's almost as if you think, no, I'm actually doing this the right way. If I do all these great things, if I take you on this date, then I am entitled to this. I'm entitled to sex, and of course you are never entitled to sex whether you male female or you identify as other essentially no one is entitled to sex it's a conversation and unfortunately our society does honestly believe that if a guy does everything right he is entitled to something and that's just not right i think you said it right it's a conversation there's a dialogue that needs to happen and Obviously, by the nature of it being music, it's very hard to have a dialogue and a song being sung by one person. But definitely the image he's putting across is that there is no dialogue. He's playing first fiddle, second fiddle, cello and bass. There needs to be at least some input about what this woman likes. He says it's my kind of your kind of night, but he's never even hesitated to even think what her kind of night might be as long as there's an orgasm at the end of it. Which, dialogue, people, yeah. talk, honestly... Communication makes relationships go way better, I promise. Yep. And that kind of actually flows us right into this next song. It's also a country song, but it's done by a pair of girls, or women actually, uh, Maddie and T. Uh, And essentially this is them kind of railing against this idea, especially the idea of how women should be and is perpetuated through country music. We also love McKendry Wi-Fi. Well, I wish I had some shoes on my two bare feet. And it's getting kind of cold and it's painted on cut off jeans. Yeah, baby. I hear you over there on your tailgate whistling. 
Now, of course, what I like about this is, especially when you uh, look at what they said is their inspiration, um, Luke Bryan actually was one of the things that they personally really hated his songs about. And so, as you notice, there's the subtle hints of the various things uh, that Luke Bryan mentioned in the last song, you know, being out on a dirt road somewhere, you know, being a tan and all these other, un these standards that uh, is constantly being put out. It is interesting that they are referencing Brian and what's immediately going on in country songs, but they also have their throwback to Strait and Conway, and they're talking about you know the old time before country got excessively country. Sorry, That's um, fine. when country is still having some of these elements of pop in it and some of these elements where they're discussing these things and it has a much more respectful feel towards them. And also, of course, we have the unfortunate event of a hookup culture that already exists but as i was talking about earlier there needs to be a distinction in what you're looking for if you're communicating hey we're here to have sex then the person that you want to have sex with if that's what they're looking for as well you can go have great sex and never talk to them again it's been done i will happily put my hand in the air and say i've done it as long as it's done in a respectful way there's nothing wrong with it the issues are coming when there's the sense of entitlement and there's the sense of you don't need to know that i'm leaving in the morning and I think, you know, that definitely is a conversation. And we mentioned earlier about how women, if they try to stand up or we try to face these issues, um, we're kind of, not just women, but as whole, anyone who's 
talking about these are kind of pushed against and kind of ostracized. Another thing that I really like about the song is it actually did make the charts, and it was consistently played for a while in the year it was released. Wanna say 2009? Um, I could find that somewhere, or we can just go with 2009. It sounds about right, so we're saying 2009. We're <laughs> saying 2009. Um, and essentially, you know, it was very popular, and the fact that this was played on country music stations that were playing the same songs, uh, you know, this song, right along with Luke Bryan, kind of showed um, there's a bit of an imbalance here. Are we just picking songs because they sound catchy, or do we actually listen to the lyrics? See, that's the interesting thing. This song did make it. People are listening to this song, and the question is how many people have actually got the message. If you can actually sit down as a radio disc jockey and play this song next to Luke Bryan, you're either sending one of two messages. One is you really listen to what you play, or that you don't. Or you have to play what songs are requested. <laughs> and someone's calling in to make a point. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it is interesting that we have that pushback, and there's this ongoing issue between the two, and... It is interesting because you do see more and more, at least in media portrayals, people standing up about this and people saying something and you're seeing that branch out. But at the same time, you can still walk into a bar and get hit on when you're just there for a drink with some friends. Even being pulled away from a group of friends by someone you don't know to get danced with, that's not what you're there for. Honestly, that definitely is something as a woman I faced um, having individuals like it was so bad once I was actually at a school dance I was still in high school at the time that this happened and this guy kept wanting to come up and dance with me and like not like asking me to dance he was like grabbing my hips and pulling me and it just was like no that ain't happening and I told him no multiple times and it wasn't until my good friend who just happened to be a girl also walks over and puts her arm around me and kisses me on the top of my head and says she's with me you need to back off like the fact that my friend had to pretend that we were a couple and I don't think it was that we were a couple if she had been a guy I think the guy would have kept going but the fact that he's like oh darn it I hit on a lesbian that's a terrible terrible thing like yeah. that fear it's <laughs> Uh, fortunately, we have seen this progression in music, and I am a very firm believer that art is the gateway to moving towards um, mainstream. If it's portrayed positively and right and justly through art, especially music and like theater and movies, then eventually we will get to that point where it is more culturally acceptable to have these things. And this is the benefit of the current creative revolution that we're in with YouTube musicians and YouTube videographers and social media where you can have a massive, massive following without even having to go on tour and you can just post a song to YouTube and it'll go huge and people will be listening to it around the world. We have the ability to do that. And the great thing is also if you are putting stuff out there into the world that isn't fair on the world and is trying to marginalize these groups, you're immediately facing this backlash. You're immediately facing a rebuttal from everywhere. You can't hide any unnecessary hate in today's society because there is a generation coming up that's not only changing the people who have come before them so that they also share these views, which is helping it spread, but this generation is coming up and there's a bunch of kids, stupid, loudmouthed kids, who don't know when to shut up. 
And ain't it a shame. <laughs> yes. I think also the invention of things like iTunes and all this, that artists can get their music and make money and therefore keep making music without having to rely on a record label. Tying it back to that very first song now, you don't have that corporation telling you, hey, I know you're, you know, you're gay or you're this or whatever, and, well, let's maybe not do that in the music. Well, now the artists have the rights and the ability to go... I don't need you, record label. I can go and I can write a song about gay rights or I can write a song uh, that's pro-feminist. They can do these things now and it's not tied to kind of the mass masses, essentially. The music is currently going directly and any art, no matter what you choose to create or how you choose to create it, you can go straight from your hands into the hands of the people who are consuming your product Amazingly, the people who buy your product are going to be the people who like what you're selling. So you don't have to sell anything but yourself and still find people who are going to love you for it. Um, so I'm Virginia Parkinson. I've been Liam Davis. And you've been listening to America by Year. <laughs>